Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Welcome to Love It or Leave It. I am your host, John Lovett. We have a fantastic episode of Love It or Leave It coming your way. We have Andy Richter, Riri Cheney, Aaron Ryan, Ira Madison III, and Menendrine Meyer, a seismologist who came because I harangued him about my criticisms of the Richter scale. We did this fantastic show, and then it turns out something happened with the audio. And here to help us understand what happened is Bill Lance the engineer who produces Love It or Leave It. Hello, John. How's it going? Um, so uh, can you talk to us a little bit about what happened? Yeah, I can. <laughs> uh, so last night, we set up the computer to record. Uh-huh. And and you're every... a smart guy. Yeah, it's not and, my and first, you... it is not my first time and recording you... a show. And, and you make sure that everything's plugged in. Yeah. And you make sure they're the right ends to the wires. Yeah, I, if they're not, then I switch it around so right. it is the right end. Because you are I a mean, professional. That's... Yeah. If it doesn't fit, just turn it around and Yeah, stick make it sure it's the way. right the right direction. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we set everything up. Uh-huh. And everything looked good coming in. Uh everything sounded, sounded great. Sounded good in your ears. You're oh, it checking was... it in real time. Yes, it sounded absolutely wonderful. And yet and then when I got home, what happened at one in the morning when uh, I loaded all the audio in to cut uh, it, I hit play. And what did it sound like? It sounded crazy. It sounded, it sounded like a devil robot. <laughs> it sounded like this crowd here for a podcast where the podcast audio has to be pristine. How are we doing on that noise? And then, Bill, it's one in the morning. You've been up all day working and then you spent all fucking night working to fix this audio because you are a goddamn professional. That's true. And so when you hear this episode and you take a moment to even think about complaining to me about it, when you can hear everything so crisply, know that I'm talking to a man named Bill, that's you. That's me, yeah. Who spent all night making sure that you got this episode because it was such a good episode, all right? I so spend you... all night every week. <laughs> all right, Bill. Yeah, but yeah. This, and that, that's this what, night... Bill, that's what the money's for. I don't, I don't have... <laughs> Panic attacks every week, though. So this was a particularly harrowing experience. Usually it's just uh, shortening your laugh breaks because they're just too long live. <laughs> okay, Bill. Nobody wants you're, a 30-second laugh Apology break. Apology accepted, Bill. And it's usually cutting a lot of jokes about Tommy. <laughs> wow, that now Tommy's going to hear that. Bill, thank you so much. All right? And so if any of you out there even take a moment to think about criticizing this episode, you think about doing it, then you stop yourself and you remember that we worked hard to bring you this episode, despite the fact that there was a snafu, which happens in this life. All right, now on to the show. Is this a bad time to ask for a raise? <laughs> Since we last spoke, there was not one, but two earthquakes in Southern California sitting on the couch. Listen, spoiler, I was sitting on the couch for both earthquakes. 
paint you a picture. Two earthquakes, a day apart. I'm in the exact same position. Pundit the dog is in the exact same position. Let's just be honest. I'm playing Diablo 3. Don't applaud it, don't applaud it. That game is a skitter box. It is manipulative. We should all quit. <laughs> it's evil, but I love it. So, it's loud, there's, a, there's vibrations in the controller, and I have my, I'm hearing it's through the, it's through the Sonos, because they're a sponsor, and uh, all of a sudden I'm like, is the whole world shaking? And I turn to Pundit, who is useless, and I look at her, and I'm like, earthquake! And she goes, whoa! <laughs> and starts running her mouse. Same thing happened the second time. No, learn nothing. <laughs> so the first earthquake is a 6.4. Second earthquake is a 7.1. All the coverage says Southern California rocked by two earthquakes. So this made me think about the metric system. <laughs> this will make sense, probably. Okay. So... We don't use the metric system, all right? And there's a certain kind of person that likes to make fun of America for not using the metric system. We're a bunch of fucking yokels, we're stubborn, we're arrogant, we don't do what the rest of the world does. The metric system is so much smarter and sophisticated, it's what they use in your Swedens and your Frances, and in America we use a dumb old thing that's random and makes no sense. This is incorrect. Oh, that's right, you fucking coastal elite poindexter fucking... You are the exact people who say that to each other over small plates. No. No. The imperial system is no more random and actually much more useful. I'll give you some examples, all right? Temperature, all right? 60 degrees. Kind of cool. 70 degrees, temperate. 80, hot. 90, really fucking hot. It's a good range. You hear a round number, you know exactly what, what we're talking about. Centigrade. Celsius, if you will. 39, you got a super hot fever. 41, you're dead. Yes, it is true. In a lab somewhere, when you're working in deciliters, etc., it makes more sense. It is more useful to do math in the metric system. It is also true that maybe once in a while, the fact that we use these other units has caused us to lose a Mars rover or two <laughs> due to some unfortunate conversions. Couple Mars rovers were, uh, thought they were further from Mars than they were. Couple came across Mars a little too quickly. <laughs> Not ideal, all right? I recognize that for science, the metric system makes a lot of sense. But day to day, a foot's a pretty good unit, you know? Yeah, it's based on one king's foot, and that's pretty dumb. But a meter is based on one ten millionth of the distance from the North Pole to the equator. What's more useful to you in measuring the size of a room in your house? Height, 1.5 meters. You're short as a guy. 1.9 meters, you're tall, but you're like, you're dealing in, you know, in decimals, in feet. Six feet, you're pretty tall. Five feet, you're losing your shit at a bagel bus. <laughs> it's simple, it's easy to understand. The bottom line is centimeters, 
kilograms, they may have the best policies, but Fahrenheit is electable. <laughs> Back to earthquakes. Let's tie it all together, sir. So these were my first, I think, significant earthquakes as a Californian. I have not grown up in this place, this wonderful place that shakes every once in a while in a kind of deep and profound way. But now that I'm here, the Richter scale, it's not intuitive because it's a 6.4 and a 7.1. All the news reports it as a pair of earthquakes, right? That's just the natural way we talk about it. And yes, we know that there's something involving logarithms and we find out later in the report that a 7.1 is actually five times as much shaking as a 6.4, but it's still covered as a pair of earthquakes because the measure isn't intuitive. If somebody crashed into your car at 10 miles an hour, and the next day, they crashed into your car at 50 miles an hour. You would definitely not say, wow, I was really buffeted by a pair of car accidents. <laughs> You'd say, holy shit, that guy yesterday that tapped my car, he fucked my shit up today. Because it's intuitive. 50 is five times as much as 10. So the opacity of these numbers bothers me. It bothers me as someone who is new to being in an earthquake zone all the time. <laughs> but I am not an expert. And I kind of thought it would be cool if I could maybe ask a seismologist about this. And here's the cool thing. We have this show. So there's a seismologist here who's going to help me figure out what we're going to do about this logarithmic scale. I may ask some other questions as well, but I'll probably keep bringing it back to this. Please welcome to the stage seismologist and researcher at Caltech, Menendrine Meyer. Hi. So you're a seismologist. Yes. So why do we use a scale where every point represents an increase tenfold of the amount of shaking from the number before? Well, because earthquakes come in a lot of different sizes, so you have tiny earthquakes, such as where the rough is just, you know, a few inches, and we can detect those with good instruments. And then the big one in the San Andreas Fault is going to be hundreds of miles long. Um, and so if you have just a regular scale, like the one you use for measuring height, then you'd say, well, the foreshock was magnitude 0.003, and the main shock was magnitude 257,658. That's not much more intuitive, is it? Oh, interesting. You think it's not? <laughs> hey, everybody. So boil it down. Just... Buckle up. Next slide. <laughs> Sir, thank you for being here. For those listening at home, I'm going to do my best to explain this to all of you. But I have invented a new scale for earthquakes, and I am trying it out without having talked to literally anyone to an actual scientist on a show. Let's do it. On the left, we have the current logarithmic magnitude moment scale. It runs from zero to 10, all right? Zero is the earth is not moving. 10 is the craziest fucking earthquake in history. 9.5 roughly is the biggest earthquake ever recorded. Is that right? That's right. Okay. So we, on the right, we have a new scale. I've named it after uh, a scientist named Meyer, who is the first scientist to say yes to being the seismologist on this show, because it's you. Uh, so I agree that there is a problem with the fact that earthquakes come in little tiny bits and huge scary things. But I have a solution, okay? I have a solution. We're going to name a Meyer 
is going to be equivalent to a magnitude 5 earthquake. Okay? All right. One kilometer long. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good earthquake. Okay? Now, if an earthquake like what we had the other day hits, like a 6.4, that's gonna, we're going to go up the scale to around 25 Myers, right? Because that's 20 times more forceful than the 5, right? Because we're going to set our, we're gonna set our scale at a 1 out of 5, because I recognize that tiny earthquakes are very tiny, big earthquakes are very big. Now, what do we do about these huge earthquakes? I have a solution for that, too. Once we hit a magnitude 8 earthquake, guess what? Welcome to a Megamire. <laughs> Okay? The biggest earthquake ever recorded was 32 megamires. All right? That was the 9.5 that hit Alaska based on Wikipedia because, again, I did this alone over the break because I got scared because my house shook. <laughs> and they didn't tell you it was in Chile. No. Oh, was, that, was it in Chile, the biggest ever? I thought it was in Alaska. Second biggest. Okay. All right. America doesn't always have the biggest one. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. This fucking guy. So, back to the scale. Now, you're right. Some earthquakes are really tiny. A one or two on the new scale. Guess what? I'm introducing something. It's called the Millimire. So now, so look. We have a 6.4, we had a 7.1. What if the news said, hey guys, there were two earthquakes. One was a 25 mire, but the next one was so much bigger. It was 125 mire. It was five times as big, which is totally intuitive because we converted the logarithmic scale to a linear scale while dealing with the, the big numbers and small numbers by introducing a unit such as the millimire and the megamire. Is there any downside to what I'm talking about other than the fact that we will have helped people better understand intuitively how dangerous earthquakes could be so that perhaps they might be more prepared and think more about it, have more water, actually get down under their fucking table when their houses start to shake. I'm sold. I'm all in. You're sold and you're all in. No, I thought it'd be a little bit more of a fight. What? Fixed oh, we're not going to fix decibels on this show. Thank you, sir. Good point. It is also true, as a man in the front row has helpfully pointed out, that, the, that, that decibels for sound are also logarithmic. But you know what? That doesn't bother me because when I get that wrong, my house doesn't fall off its foundation. <laughs> uh, one last question. I know they say you're not supposed to just run out of your house screaming. But instinctively, that does feel right. Thoughts? Well, it depends on the kind of house you live in, you know. Um, the official recommendation from the United States Geological Survey is to drop cover and hold on because most people get hurt or even die from, you know, running outside and falling down the stairs or getting hit by stuff that comes falling off the roof. And so um, you drop cover under a sturdy table um, and then you're safe because houses usually don't collapse. But then there's things like, you know, soft story houses, old houses. I live in a house that is eaten up by termites, I think. So, when I felt the quake, I did not drop cover hold on, to be honest. So, what we, might, what we might be dealing with is the, the Memorial Mire earthquake scale. <laughs> so, it does feel like there's these two competing ideas online. One is the official recommendations, which says the most likely thing you're going to do is fuck yourself up by falling down, breaking an ankle, landing on some glass, getting hit by debris. One woman hit her head and broke her neck, falling down during Northridge. Another woman fell out of a hotel window. That's a bad fucking drop. But, uh, 
But so they say, just get down, because all else being equal, the majority of houses will stay up, so the majority of people who just get down will be fine. But in the event that you're worried about your house falling down, what are you supposed to do? Well, <laughs> if the house collapses on you, then there's not much. You can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want! <laughs> um, one last... No, but that, that being said, I mean, the drop cover and the hold on thing does make a lot of sense. If everybody did that, that would save a lot of lives, probably, and, and a lot of uh, medical costs. All right, thank you. One final semi-inappropriate question. Uh, you seem to be a hot seismologist. <laughs> Has that impacted any of your science about anything? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be here if I hadn't slept my way up. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Caltech seismologist Menendrine Meyer, thank you so much. I didn't really say that. That was great, thank you. Let's welcome our panel. She's an actress and writer known for American Princess and Glow. Please welcome Riri Cheney. Hi, Riri. Hello. Thank you for all the math information. That was great. Hi. How are you doing? I'm really good. Thanks for having me. This is really nice. So good to have you. Thanks. Next up, she's a writer for Always Sunny in Philadelphia, friend of the pot, and host of Hysteria from Crooked Media. Please welcome Aaron Ryan. Hello. Hi, Erin. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I feel like I haven't seen you in a minute. I know, it's been a while. It's been too much a while. Well, you record Hysteria uh, before I get in. <laughs> We're out of there at like 10.30. <laughs> We're out of there at 10.30 on Wednesday mornings. I'm sorry, am I blowing up your spot? <laughs> I am. Anyway, you're never there. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, one more time for Aaron Ryan. All right. And he's a comedian and writer known for his role on Conan, and he's also the host of the new Earwolf podcast, The Three Questions. Please welcome back Andy Richter. Andy, what's it like being named uh, Richter during the week of not one, but two big earthquakes? It never gets old. <laughs> never gets old. It is, I find it's like a a fountain for creativity and originality, the things that people end up saying about it. It's not like they say the same fucking thing every time. It's, although throughout my career, it has been a quick way to judge any kind of article written about me because I've only seen like, off the Richter scale as the title about 15 times. And then you know, oh no, that article's a piece of shit. No, no need to read that even though I love the subject. We wouldn't be on this stage if we didn't love articles about ourselves. It's true. And that's just the bottom line. It's true. Before we begin the show tonight, I did want to take a moment and acknowledge our first casualty of the 2020 primary. We had our first candidate drop out earlier this week. And all jokes aside, I did want to, we want to thank Eric Swalwell for what he brought to the race. He put ending gun violence first in his campaign, then that's something no one else running can say. He's been a champion for ending election interference. And this week, we say goodbye to Eric Swalwell. Please enjoy some of his greatest hits in this In Memoriam segment. Eric Swalwell. First act in foreign policy, we're breaking up with Russia and making up with NATO. 
time to pass the torch. 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 All right, let's get into it. What a week. Last week, we declared on the show that we had won the battle for the citizenship question on the census with 12 hours. Within 12 hours of recording that, Donald Trump changed his mind. So here is the timeline of what we know. June 27th, the Supreme Court rules to block the citizenship question from being added, concluding that there was sufficient reason for concern about why the Commerce Department wanted to add the question. On July 2nd, the day we recorded last week's episode, the administration announces they'll be printing the census without the question. Victory. The following morning, Trump denies that they're dropping it. Then later that day, a Justice Department lawyer admits to a federal judge that he doesn't know what's going on, saying, quote, the tweet this morning is the first I heard of the president's position on this issue, just like the plaintiffs in your honor. As you can imagine, I'm doing my absolute best to figure out what's going on. He then said they were instructed to find a way to add the question, which was the opposite of what they said in the court the day before. July 4th. We all had a nice time with our friends and loved ones. We, I ate four hot dogs. I tried to go to a fifth, but I'm stopped by friends concerned for my well-being. Now, I'm going to tell you guys something right now, which is, that's comedy dark. I'm going to tell you what really happened, which is, I woke up on July 4th, opened my phone, saw a video made by Now This about the history of the hot dog, got up, out of bed, immediately, walked Pundit, put Pundit back in the house, went to Cantor's. By 8.45 a.m., I had ordered a hot dog, which is off-menu at Cantor's, <laughs> and consumed that hot dog before 9 a.m. in the morning on July 4th. Because I love this country. That's, that's Did you know they had it off-menu, or were you hoping they had it off-menu? That's such a good question. I will tell you that uh, I looked through the whole menu and I found it impossible to believe that Cantor's doesn't have a hot dog, a Jewish deli, Jewish adjacent. It's not kosher. There's fucking meat and cheese all over that menu. It's a little, it's a little bit crazy. Like they practically have shrimp in there. <laughs> but anyway, I assumed there would be a hot dog. And I asked, I said, am I crazy? I can't find the hot dog. And he said, it's off menu, but you can get it. I said, great. I'll take one. And then at the end, and I think what I will describe as perhaps the saddest moment of my life, I realized after paying the check, it all came with tip uh, to $17.73. So I added three cents and made it $17.76. And then I waited until the waiter came around just so I could show him. And he didn't care. <laughs> that is actually dark. <laughs> July 7th, the Justice Department announces that <laughs> the team of lawyers who had handled the case would withdraw and be replaced weirdly by attorneys who focus on consumer protection. July 10th, the judge announces that those lawyers aren't allowed to withdraw. They are stuck and must live with their decision to work for our demon president. <laughs> July 11th, the day we are recording this, Donald Trump gave a press conference and announced that while they definitely are allowed to and would win a court fight if they tried, they are backing down finally on the issue because they're all such good people. The question is out of the census. But, but they announced that by executive order, the Commerce Department will attempt to find out this information by other means. It's ominous. We don't know exactly what it means. But what we do know for sure is they won't stop wanting to undercount and demonize immigrants. When we come back, okay, stop. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. 
This podcast is brought to you by Americans United for Separation of Church and State. Americans United defends your freedom to live as yourself and believe as you choose so long as you don't harm others. Core freedoms and even democracy itself rest upon the wall of separation between church and state. While Christian nationalists are attacking these freedoms, seeking to force us all to live by their narrow beliefs, Americans United is fighting back. Freedom without favor and equality without exception. Learn more about AU's work at au.org slash crooked. That's au.org slash crooked. And we're back. Now it's time for OK Stop. We'll roll a clip and the panel can say OK Stop at any point to comment. The U.S. women's national soccer team won the World Cup this week. And America was proud. But Jesse Waters over at Fox News thought the U.S. women... Whatever, you know what he did. Let's just watch it. Well, the U.S. women's soccer team arriving back in America just moments ago after its big World Cup win. The players having fun celebrating Okay, stop. Uh, did the team come back flying United? Uh, I'm sad to say it appears that they did. The depths of the disrespect <laughs> towards this team... Um, I just, someone booked this on points, and I just really can't abide that. So. ...performance, but it's now starting to be overshadowed by politics. The big win immediately setting off calls for equal pay from the stadium crowd. Okay, stop. How is being a woman political? <laughs> it's not fucking political. It's not political to be a woman and be like, I I'm doing the same thing that the guys are doing, but I'm doing it better, and more people like me, so maybe I should be getting paid the same as the guys who are losing fucking games. How is that political? Okay, stop. I also like to, like, ugh, this, these athletes are making everything political by listening to the chants of the people in the stadium. A stadium full of people. A stadium full of people. A stadium full of nut jobs. (laughs) The women's team is suing the U.S. Soccer Federation for gender discrimination, focusing on the pay gap between the men's and women's teams. Jesse, it appears you have some thoughts. No, just the chant for equal play at a sporting event. I never thought I'd hear that ever. Okay, stop. He's like, sport chants are supposed to be apolitical, like a bunch of white people making Indian noises, you know? <laughs> like it's supposed to be. I like apolitical chants. No matter what the sport, but the president does has a po- have a point there. If you look at the World Cup men's revenue, it's in the billions, and they split up the pot. Uh, it's a much bigger pot. Women's World Cup revenue, much, much smaller, and they have a smaller pot to divide it up with. Okay, but- stop. The World Cup bonus is set, yeah, that's set by the World Cup, but the U.S. Soccer Association is actually using that as a reason to pay discriminate because when it comes down to the actual organizations between the men's team and the women's team, their, their earnings go back and forth, like in terms of just like what each particular organization earns. So they're just using the sexism of the of the FIFA to to set their own pay record. So it's like it's not even about FIFA's just, you know, that's that's a once, you know, once off kind of thing, but you know, all their kind of practice games 
they still they still are getting screwed. Yeah, you know. He, the the distinction is is that the U.S. Soccer Federation, the women do actually make more revenue and they get paid less, so that's their lawyer's fault. Okay, so oh, stop. <laughs> I uh, I take umbrage. Uh, it's he's blaming these women for what he's saying is that they're not advocating for themselves, which is such slack bullshit that I can't even handle. They should be paid for the work they do. It shouldn't be like this type of division math ends up that they make less money. Fuck that and fuck him. I just, I pay them, pay them, pay them. I mean, this is like a microcosm of like the fact that the Republican Party hates women. Negotiated a horrible deal and they need to renegotiate that immediately. Yeah. Yeah. The point is, though, is that the women are not helping their case by their behavior. Okay, okay stop. stop. What behavior? Well, winning? So winning? it's also. <laughs> yeah, their behavior of winning. But it's. This is his argument. Usually women get paid less because they deserve less. Sometimes they get paid less because they didn't ask for enough. <laughs> Either way, the one thing you shouldn't do is complain about it. Yes. And, but it, it really does go to this idea of like what it means when they say leave politics out of sports. Because all the men have to do to get paid more is say nothing. You know, they just have to just stay there and be still. But what that means is you are agreeing to a kind of politics. To not protest is to take on the politics of everything being exactly as it is forever. So when they say let's keep politics out of football, they mean let's keep your politics out of football, my politics of I like things how they are right now, exactly how they are, don't change them, is the only politics allowed on this field. That's true for women's pay, that's true for Colin Kaepernick. Everyone just needs to shut the fuck up because there can't be politics here except for my politics where I feel so fucking comfortable, where I feel totally at peace. I do not feel challenged. Nothing about my worldview is incorrect. President, you act in unpatriotic ways and then complain about not getting paid equally. Well, what do you think is going to happen? People are going to watch. I okay, they get on top stop. Show. Okay, stop. The, the U.S. women's national soccer team has become this political lightning rod for the right. It's now become a cool thing for people on the right to pile onto them. But I would love to see any one of them take any of them on in any athletic endeavor. <laughs> Many people this weekend who said, I love soccer. I'm not watching the U.S. women because I didn't like what they said. That means the ad revenue comes down. That means their overall revenue comes down, and they can't divvy up the same amount of money. Okay, stop. Um, why is it always that uh, people on the left are supposed to capitulate to people on the right? Like, we're supposed to say what, what is acceptable to them. Like, people, like, women soccer players are supposed to, like, placate the needs of white Republican men who would never in, at any point watch women's soccer. But nobody watching like a sport where a lot of people are conservative, nobody watching NASCAR would be like, you know, I don't know, uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. didn't say enough about being pro-choice. <laughs> I've always noticed when Republicans win, it's hooray, time to gloat. And when Democrats win, it's how will they reach out to those voters that didn't vote for them? They never say, how is the GOP going to reach out to Democratic voters? Because we all know their attitude towards Democratic voters is, fuck you. Yeah, it's, um, there's, never, right, there's never this sense of, no one ever says, uh, 
how can we help Mitch McConnell understand black trans women, right? Like, so when they say, oh, we need to keep politics out of sports, it would be really great if these people would start just a little bit, just a little bit to like, hey, let these differences just exist. Just let the differences exist. They can't. They can't do it for a fucking second. And it's making literally everyone miserable. That's all. When we come back, we're going to talk about these 2020 candidates. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. And we're back! <laughs> so far, the Democratic primary has been a real clash of ideas, a tete-a-tete of which person over 60 can slightly outwoke the other person over 60. <laughs> Our own change research poll finds a statistical tie for first with Warren and Bernie at 19, Biden at 18, and Kamala at 17. And now that Kamala and Warren are surging in the polls, pundits are really digging deep with nuanced analysis like a recent newspaper missive that wondered aloud if Kamala and Warren have a chance because they must both be splitting the lady vote. So we thought we'd bring back an old favorite in a game we're calling How Likable Is He Really? We'll play some clips of male politicians and our panel will help us make sure they are held to the same standard as everybody else, a terrible standard no one can meet. All right, let's roll clip number one. We cannot go it alone in terms of dealing with terrorism. So I'd eliminate the, the, uh, the, the, the act that allowed us to go into war and not the AUMF and make sure that it could only be used for what its intent was, what its intent was, and that is to go after terrorists, but never do it alone. Okay, so I'm a little uncomfortable with the idea of taking a risk on a man because Mitt Romney and John McCain were both men, and they lost. I mean, I don't like to be, you know, ageist. I'm not ageist. I'm really, like, just, like, really open to age. But what I found, like, worrisome is that he stumbled over some words. Uh, I don't know if he might faint in getting in a car or something. There's no way to know if he can make it through the term. I don't want to risk it. Well, remember when he cried when Obama gave him the Medal of Freedom? Do we really want to give an emotional wreck like that the nuclear codes? <laughs> He also, he has children, and, like, he has to care for his children. They are adult children, but you never really stop caring for your children. So I don't know if I think he can devote all of his attention to being the president. I just kind of wish, like, he just had, like, a more pleasant face. Like, um, he's, like, he could try not scowling when making a point. I agree. Smile more. Yeah, I think it's just, like, as the guy who hands me the penny saver tells me smile more yeah. and how many how many how many times does this guy run for president i mean it's pretty ambitious <laughs> it is it's i i like i want a president who's ambitious but i don't want to see it yeah not like ambitious but not too pushy about it. yeah like it's very in like oh i'm running for president i want to be friends so in your face with the ambition right exactly <laughs> next clip Doswell, take school 
Om. The idea of a president, like you're supposed to be running for president and you're going to get distracted by a bird. Mm -hmm. But I think he's just trying to really lean on his like charm. Like he thinks being charming is like presidential. I mean, this whole bell reenactment of like birds coming to you to sing, it feels a little, a little pushy. Right. We all love Disney movies. We all love Disney princesses. But do we want one to be the president? Yeah. Well, two things. Number one, Birds aren't afraid of him. How is Putin going to be afraid of him? Such a good point, Andy. Such a good point. And, and point number two, shrill. Very, very, very shrill. And I don't want to say it. I, and look, I obviously don't think this, but we have to be careful because we're not ultimately going to be alone in making this decision. And I'm just going to say it, resting socialist bitch face. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> Um, because like not that I care I again I like him I like men but other people may not like them other people may not be open there are people I know in my life that look at someone like that and say I don't think that looks like a president right he strikes me as kind of cold and aloof but also too angry at the same time I don't think that's very presidential yeah when he gets loud it seems like he's nagging yeah yeah Final word on this, more like bitchin' looper. All right, that's... <laughs> I don't mean that either. That's the point of the segment. And that's our game. We come back, a game about millennials. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. And we're back! Now, we are going to do a rapid-fire millennial quiz. Would someone out there like to play the game? Hi, what's your name? I'm Eden. Eden? Yes. That is a very much a Gen Z name, not a millennial name. All right, Eden, here's the deal. This week, a debate played out online that split the Democratic Party in twain. One side believed it was okay to be mean to the angry bagel man, and the other side thought it was bad to shame a man so short. But that wasn't the only debate. Nancy Pelosi criticized Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the other more progressive members of the House. She chastised the new House members for taking inter-party fights public and said to the Times, all these people have their public whatever and their Twitter world, but they didn't have a following. They're four people, and that's how many votes they got speaking of the border bill. Now, as you all know, I love Speaker Nancy Pelosi. And it's true that part of her point is she takes the shots for vulnerable members. However, it was also a pretty dismissive comment, not just to them, but for a movement of young people who use Twitter and social media to mobilize and activate young voters. And this got us thinking, this isn't the only time politicians have condescended to millennials. In fact, they do it so often that we don't think you'll be able to tell what's a real quote about young people and what's one we made up. And we thought we'd highlight this in a game we're calling Politics is kind of a mood, and TBH Zaddy voting slaps. Star, dab, star. 
Whoa, do what it. is Zaddy? I've never encountered oh. Zaddy. Oh. Oh. Yes. Oh, I love being a millennial up here right now. Um, a Zaddy is a man of uh, dad bod, but you know, like he can put it down. Like he really. Um, you have your fits from Scandal. You have your... Uh, your Jason Momoa fat picture. Uh, no. That's... No. I feel like Idris Elba is zaddy. Idris Elba, but not when he's DJing, when he's wearing coats, yeah. you know? <laughs> All right. I get it. Something to aspire to. <laughs> when he's wearing coats, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> That man knows how to wear a coat. It's like always, like, he's British, so he's, like, posh, and his collar's high, and he, like, can protect you, but also he's, like, really into your risotto. Right. Like, it's like... <laughs> we got, we just have to move on, Eden. Are you ready? I'm going to read quotes. If they're real, say real. If they're fake, say fake. Okay. Okay? I got you. Here we go. Over and over, faculty members and administrators noted how their students' limited experience with hard work made them oddly fuzzy-headed when facing real-world problems. False. It's real? Please answer faster. Young men in 1940s liberated Europe from Nazism and the Pacific from the Japanese Empire. Today, too many stay home playing video games. True. Yes, Morning Joe. Maybe if today's young people spent more time in the real world and less time watching the real world, they'd have a clue about what this nation needs. False. Correct. Young people want a Domino's pizza tracker app for social justice. True. Fake. And if the left doesn't think I'm left enough, so be it. As I say to these people, come to my basement. I have these signs about single payer from 30 years ago. We have to have a solution, not just a Twitter fight. True. Yeah, that was Pelosi. Millennials, what if instead of taking selfies, we took our mother's hand and thanked her for choosing life? True. False. You know what's interesting about this group? I've been doing this for 30 years. I know what I'm doing. You come in here and you say it has to be my way or the highway. I don't respond to that. True. Pelosi. No, Feinstein. But, but I knew They're that that's who close. you thought it was. I knew that's who you thought it was. They're really close. They would both hate that. What's really, what really distinguishes this generation from those before it is that it's the first generation in American history to live so well and complain so bitterly about it. False. No, that was real. That's from 1993 about those young people who are now Gen X and completely forgotten. <laughs> I totally understand the mental health crisis in this country. I watch Euphoria every Sunday with Chastain. False. Yes. <laughs> no wonder they can't afford college. They spend too much money on avocado toast and opioids. True. No, that, well... It's, true. it's false. We definitely... <laughs> that's it. It's a fake quote. <laughs> We defy anyone with his eyes open to deny that there is, as never before, an attitude on the part of the young folk which is best described as grossly thoughtless, rude, and utterly selfish. True? True from 1925. Oof. Why do they have to wear their AirPods all the time, even when they don't have music? It just makes me so nervous. False. Correct. <laughs> more, young, more young voters would come to the polls if they weren't always busting down Thadiana. False? Did you say false? I said false. Yeah, it is. Don't make me explain it. <laughs> All right, here we go. The rock upon which most of the marriage barges go to pieces is the latter-day cult of individualism, the worship of the brazen calf of the self. True. True, the Atlantic, 1907. Our young men have grown slothful. Their talents are left idle, and there is not a single honorable occupation for which they will toil night and day. Continuing true. Real, from Seneca the Elder, 1st AD, 1st century AD. 
To begin with the youthful type, they are hot-tempered and are indignant if they imagine themselves unfairly treated. They have exalted notions because they have not yet been humbled by life. They think they know everything and are always quite sure about it. True. Even older? From Aristotle, 350 BCE. And and finally, the young men of the governing class are habituated to lead a life of luxury and idleness, both of body and mind. They do nothing and are incapable of resisting either pleasure or pain. True. True Plato, 380 B.C.E. Eden, you've won the game. Woo! (laughs) It's almost as if... Older generations constantly resent younger generations, and while we may have serious differences and we should argue about it, we should argue with regard and love for each other because we're on the same team, and AOC and Nancy Pelosi are two politicians we all deeply admire, which we should continue to do because we need to remain committed to each other in this fight to win, defeat Trump, and build a better world, a lesson I learned today from Megan Rapino. When we come back, the rant wheel. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. And we're back! Now it's time for the rant wheel. You know how it works. We spin the wheel and rant about the topics on which it lands. This week on the wheel, we have Trump's Rose Garden ceremony. We have ice raids. We have the death of Rip Torn. We have, as always, Big Little Eyes. We have a, we have a surprise rant. We have Paul Ryan. We have Bagel Boss. And we have the Women's World Cup. Let's spin the wheel. It has landed on ice raids. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Officials said, I, this is important and we just want to get the word out. Officials said ICE agents were targeting at least 2,000 immigrants who have been ordered deported starting Sunday and the operation is expected to take place in most major cities in the U.S. Everyone should know their rights. No one needs to legally open your door for ICE. You do not and probably should not sign anything they give you and you have a right to speak to an attorney. If you just want to help, please share that information with people who might be at risk. Donate to the ACLU or you can donate or volunteer to help through unitedwedream.org. And one other note that came from some of the groups. Over the next few days, you will see a lot of posts on social media saying ICE has been spotted. Uh, Raices Texas is asking that you please do not retweet or share any information you cannot personally verify. Immigrant communities are already scared and we don't want to cause more anxiety. So that's just something we want to put out there. UnitedWeDream.org. It has landed on Surprise Rant. Please welcome to the stage the host of Keep It with a topic that we don't even know. Please welcome Ira Madison III. Everybody. Ira, what are you going to rant about? Um... I'm going to rant about this Jason Momoa situation. So, allegedly, he was being body shamed. Uh, he actually was being body shamed. But uh, Jason Momoa was in Venice. He was on vacation with Lisa Bonet. Some photos were taken of him by the paparazzi, and they were put on Us Weekly's Instagram. In the comments, people were like, oh my god, Jason Momoa doesn't have those abs from Aquaman. Is he fat? 
Obviously, he's still hot. He was Jason Momoa. Still hot, everybody. Still hot. <laughs> news alert. Wait, I'm sorry, Ira, one second. Bup, 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 gay news. Jason Momoa, still fucking hot. Pew, pew, pew. But then this became a story of people are fat shaming Jason Momoa, saying that he has a dad bod. Here's the thing. The only people who were saying this about Jason Momoa were the people in the comments of Us Weekly, their Instagram page. <laughs> and you have to imagine that the people in the comments of Us Weekly are generally trash. <laughs> uh, and they're probably body shaming everyone that's in there, which means that someone who works at whatever outlet reported it first was looking through Us Weekly their Instagram page, saw someone say, hey, where are Jason Momoa's abs, took a photo of it, wrote a story, and now for days we've been talking about Jason Momoa being maybe fat and maybe having a dad on And it's completely unnecessary just because someone wanted clicks. And that's why I'm mad. People were like, I would still fuck him because he's fat. I mean, do you think you're better than Lisa Bonet? Of course you would still fuck him. Uh, <laughs> Let's spin it again. It has landed on Big Little Lies. It did? It landed on Big Little Lies? It landed on Big Little Lies. Oh, great. You have yet to comment on my sweatshirt, by the way. I didn't even notice. I pandered so hard to you with this sweatshirt. Riri's wearing a sweater that's Celeste and Jane and Bonnie and Renata and Madeline and I fucking love it. Thank you. Technically, we're still inside of gay news, so I don't need to make the noise because I don't believe I ever ended the segment. Here's the thing, guys. All right? I need to talk a moment about Meryl Streep's character on Big Little Lies because it is a tour de force, and here's what I discovered Meryl Streep's character is. She is the angel of fucking death. Because here's what she does. I have now discovered through textual analysis, through reading critically, this very important text that we will look back on as containing some of the ur valley. I'm stopping. And the, uh, <laughs> she goes from woman to woman on that show, delivering a speech that basically is the worst fear you had about yourself, the thing you worry most of all late at night that might be true, I'm here to tell you it is true. You, you're a schemer who's not a good person. You, you're a terrible mom. You, it wasn't worth it. You wasted it. It didn't matter. You wasted all that time working and you didn't even get anything for it. She goes from character to character, issuing the most vicious and true statements that goes into the worst recesses of their heart, their deepest fucking fears, and how useful would it be to have such a person wandering the actual real earth, going to Kellyanne Conway, and going to William Barr, and going to Melania Trump, and going to Mike Pence, and sitting them down, and going to Paul Ryan and sitting down with Paul Ryan and saying, I can't complain, actually I can. You sold out this country and you're not a good person. How good would it fucking feel to have this angel of death wandering the countryside, delivering justice? Big Little Lies is so good. 
And there was a twist at the end of this episode that's made me very skeptical that it will continue to be good. Yeah. On the other side of it, I'm waiting for her to confront Bonnie about being a black magical Negro. Uh, that she is an oracle who sees water deaths. I think if she can really tap into that energy, it's all been worth it. Riri, I am so glad you raised what I consider to be a problem this season. Thank you, thank which you. is they have introduced... <laughs> black mysticism? Black mysticism and magical black women into this show at a really critical moment in which it was not necessary or called for at all. There is zero reason that in season two, episode two of Big Little Lies, we discover that the two black women in the show have ESP and communicate by touching each other's skin and having revelations about future drowning. Uh, thank you for allowing me the space. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's been wild. Uh, this the Big Little Lies is one of my um, just like ca- Caucasian uh, safe spaces, and uh, they've really uh, ruined that uh, with the beautifully braided mom just touching her face and leaving tiny chicken bones. And I think I forgot about that. She left little trinkets next to the bed. Trinkets. What's happening? And I think I mean the only explanation is that David E. Kelly had some sort of uh, Trini uh, nanny once that told him a story and now he's going to honor her publicly on HBO. <laughs> Do you think that there's any chance that what really happened is he was obviously working on a second season that probably Definitely. What shouldn't have existed but yet was going to happen anyway and while he figured out a lot of it he didn't know what to do uh, with this one character and then someone sent him the script from Weekend at Bernie's Part 2 and he decided to take the most racist parts of it and just kind of stick it in there um, I'm hoping it was Michelle Pfeiffer I hope she <laughs> sent it to him from their wings in the home everyone knows they're married right? just me? cool I forgot I never forget <laughs> What lies beneath? Maleficent, baby, too. This took a turn. <laughs> Big Little Lies. Bop, 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 bop. That's gay news. Let's spin it one more time. Let's spin it again. <laughs> it has landed on the Women's World Cup. Andy. That's me. Take it away. Uh, it's not even so much the Women's World Cup. It's the, it's the right-wing reaction to something that I don't know, I don't know of anything that's ever made straight women hornier than the U.S. national women's team winning. And but I mean, but also too, like, but also just like, what a fantastic thing to celebrate! What a wonderful thing for this country to have. And I understand that the right-wing ideology is a house of cards, and if you pull one card, because it's not really based on logic, it's based on propping up a white hegemony and white male hegemony, and you know, trying to hold on to power in the face of dwindling demographic irrelevance, you know. Uh, I, I get all that, but it's, it's still it's just like, can't you just be happy that the soccer team won? Just shut up for a week about it. Just shut up for a week about it. You know, I mean, if they don't protest paying the soccer women equally, then, oh, boy, we'll have to play other women equally. What a, you know, what a slippery slope of fairness. You know? Episode title, done. Lock it up. That's it. 
I mean, that's that's just it. It's just, can't you just let us have the soccer team? Can't you just be happy for the soccer women? You know? Give it a rest. And also, too, the thing I love, it's sports. Sports is the most reductive, simplistic thing there fucking is. It's why I've always wondered, why is there an award show for sports? A thing where there's a winner at every meeting. You've got to give out trophies to the people that are already winning? No, whatever, that's a side, a side issue. But it's, sports is so, so easy. You win or you lose. You win or you lose. They won. And now all of a sudden, like, getting them paid, well, that's complicated. You know, that's like, no, it's not. It's not complicated. If the Yankees win, the Yankees get paid. If the, you know, if the Giants win, the Giants get paid. It's a simple thing. Even bowling. Bowling. I don't know what their pay structures are like. I don't know either. And I, I think you should blow the lid off of that. We got to get to the bottom of it. I, I feel bad for those people. Their right arms end up longer than their left arms. <laughs> And nobody's talking about it. That's the next big scandal. The next time you see Will Smith going, tell the truth, tell the truth. It will be a movie about long bowling arms. I'm sorry, Andy. It's all right. That's all right. Let's end on a high note. To Andy's point, out tomorrow, and if you're listening to this yesterday, we got to interview Megan Rapino today, and it was very, very exciting. And it was so exciting to meet her because here's somebody that has done something incredible, who has basically said, fuck Donald Trump, if we win, I'm not going to the White House. Somehow managed to add pressure to an already incredibly pressurized environment, raise the stakes on winning the World Cup, and they fucking won it anyway. And you have this incredible group of women celebrating, being fucking victorious, representing our country, making our country proud, and by the way, not being afraid to stand up for what they believe in and being incredibly patriotic. And it must be so hard, to Andy's point, for people on Fox News to deal with a group of women who don't care what they think, who aren't interested in pleasing them, who say what they believe, who fight for good causes, who use their platform as patriots trying to make this country a better place. And no matter how hard Trump complains, no matter how hard Jesse Waters complains, they won't fucking stop. And that's pretty exciting. That's really good news. So, you know what? It's been a hard... We, we're, we've lost some big fights and there's some heinous shit going on. But you know what? We're still in this fucking fight, all right? And if Megan Rapino can invent a new arm shape icon in 2019, there are depths to be plumbed, there are ideas to be had. She figured out a new way to hold her arms in the fucking air. Kind of out, slightly at an angle. Brand fucking new, iconic. Don't tell me America's best days are behind it. There are new ways to hold up your fucking arms. Thank you, Andy Richter. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks to Andy Richter, Riri Cheney, Aaron Ryan, Ira Madison III, and the hot seismologist himself, Menandrine Meyer. And thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. It'll sound better, Bill, right? Next week, probably? I promise. Thank you guys for listening.
living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.